as Africans, we love oral history. We love listening to stories, right? So if all these traditional healers could come together, form an association of traditional healing, yeah? Form a... a, a, Record their knowledge. Record the knowledge. Listen, if you're a traditional healer, I'm giving you ideas right here. Behind these practices, because they can be around health, but some of them are just based on like this, whether it's just religious or just based on oral tradition. Really. Peer pressure from the ancestors. Hello, Globies. Welcome to the World Health Investigation Podcast. My name is Jocelyn. I'm Edna. And I'm Loza. We are three young global health professionals and your hosts for the World Health Investigation Podcast. Also known as the WHI, and we'll be discussing all things global health and unpacking the most controversial social and health issues. As well as promoting new age global health development and equity. So, ladies, what's the tea in global health today? The tea in global health today is <laughs> herbal tea. <laughs> Flat tummy tea. Flat Flat tummy. <laughs> We really we went past that episode. We're not coming back. Oh, sorry, just kidding. <laughs> please, please. Uh, guys, imagine. <laughs> yeah, guys, today we want to talk about traditional medicine. Trad- oh, traditional. So we're doing witchcraft. Huh? Uh, who said that? We're doing witchcraft. Who said that? Oh, we're here to do news. Finally, this is the episode I've been waiting for. We can please don't listen to her. She's sick right now. Okay, 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 okay. In fact, before we begin, let's put a disclaimer on this episode. Yeah, actually, actually, we're gonna be talking about herbal medicines. We're gonna be talking about drugs, different medical products. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So want to you know remind you all that we are not healthcare professionals. Oh, we're a doctor. Loza? I'm not a doctor. Loza is not a doctor. I'm sorry. I can be your personal, personal mobile health doctor, but not your... I don't like the way you are saying that. (laughs) It's so suspicious. It's suspicious. (laughs) For me, for advice. Yeah, guys, we just want to remind you all that if you're ever considering taking any sort of medical anything any drugs any herbs or whatever it's always worth it to actually speak with a trained professional mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. you yeah that sounds nice all come to us hey hey hey, hey. No, no no as i said ignore her not anyway guys let's get into it and before like really diving in i just want to know already off the bat mm-hmm. like when you think about traditional medicine, like what's the first thing that pops into your head? Mm. Just already know it's juju. Yeah. I want to talk about juju. Can we not talk about that today? <laughs> no, some people have lost their hinges and their marbles already. And we were only beginning. I mean, yeah. traditional medicine, the way it's been taught to me or it's being described is any medical practice that is not um, done by the whites. Oh, so, oh. so like you know everything else and the alternatives the herbals and the others as you said yeah whatever the white people don't the don't do mm-hmm. so they, the African practices the Asian practices the South American indigenous tradi- all traditional non-white non-white is how I have been taught it yes yeah Jocelyn um, I mean, all jokes aside, aside from witchcraft, I was joking. Um, more seriously, I grew up in Cameroon, grew up mm-hmm. in Tanzania. So when I think traditional medicine, I think of cultural medicine. I think of medicine done within, I don't know, like rural areas or like mm-hmm. practices done for, but for the prevention and cure of different health conditions but within communities that value certain traditions and cultures particular traditions and cultures yeah i love everything that you guys have said there i would also think of like similar things like to me like literally in my head when i think traditional medicine i picture like a traditional like healer Healer. yeah just you know they have their herbs there they're just doing something here and they say here take this (laughs) calling upon the ancestors the vibrations and the the (laughs) 
but yeah you know and it's, yeah. it's definitely like Justin I like that you brought up like um more like in rural communities and stuff like that because I don't yeah. in like a hospital or anything like that in a doctor's office you know no but yeah what how do we even define traditional medicine that is a key challenge ladies right I will start with like the WHO definition and then we can discuss how we feel about that mm-hmm. so for the peoples the WHO defines traditional medicine as the sum total of the knowledge, skill, and practices based on the theories, beliefs, and experiences indigenous to different cultures, whether explicable or not, used in the maintenance of health as well in the prevention, diagnosis, improvement, or treatment of physical and mental illness. Wait, pardon, ah. pardon, 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 pardon. Whether explicable ah. or not. Did I get- <laughs> Wow. It said, uh, <laughs> also picked up on that. It's a yeah. long definition, guys. Which is it's a it's a paragraph. It's a sip on my tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether explicable or not. Yeah. Whether it's real or not. Explicate it to me. You ex- explain. Explicate it to me. Today. Yeah, like what do you guys like understand by that? Because that also stood out to me. Whether it's explicable or not. Because I'm like. That can be a lot of different things in the world. That is like there's explanations or there's mm-hmm. no explanations. Mm-hmm. And there are medicines that are not within traditional health that are explicable or not. Uh-huh. But we don't apply the same definition to them. We like those traditional medicines. Hmm? I said we don't call those traditional. Wait, exactly. Like we call that modern medicine. But there again, it goes back to what I said. To me, the way they look at traditional health, they said indigenous practices. They said, you know, it's for the ethics. Um, if you haven't watched our previous episodes, please go back to our decolonizing global health. It always comes back to it. It always comes down to it. You can clearly see that there's still some colonial tendencies in almost everything you're just minding your business you just hear things like this (laughs) even in traditional medicine such a simple simple beautiful cultural aspects of medicine explicable or not let's unpack that can we just unpack that for like one minute what does that mean what does that mean because like loads are brought up like even in modern medicine today there's even a whole branch of pharmacology they call it evidence-based medicine and what that thing is, is they have sometimes, they are drugs that are like manufactured and produced, but then they use them for a certain disease and they're like, okay, what we're seeing is when we use this drug for this disease, it's improving people's health outcomes. Like we can measure that, mm-hmm. but we don't know why it's doing it and how it's doing it. We just know it's working. And yeah. if some of these are actually used by doctors, they will mm-hmm. tell their patients like, listen, we have all these papers and research showing that if I give you this drug for this illness, it could actually help you, but I cannot tell you how or why. Exactly. And I mean, you guys will be surprised, but even simple paracetamol, the mechanism of action is argued. Like people are still fighting about how, what, where does it act? But it works. So I mean, do we talk about that as traditional, is paracetamol traditional medicine? Is paracetamol traditional medicine? It's, we, 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 by now we know that there's a lot in science that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Are we going to yeah. call the whole science methodology as well as medicine traditional? <laughs> we, if you're a healthcare professional or you are working in health or studying health, you understand that there's a lot we don't know. The more mm-hmm. you learn, the more you realize you realize that you, you don't, don't know. know. Yeah. So are we not going to call it traditional? Are we going to say whether it's applicable or not? Whether it's qualicable or not, that's going to be my new caption. As in, <laughs> <laughs> <or> not. <laughs> I admit whether explicable or not. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I think you guys like bring up an excellent point. And that's why I wanted like to remind us, let's say, if we start by thinking about examples that are typically given, you think you hear that like, okay, traditional medicine sometimes would be called like folk medicine. Sometimes we call like indigenous medicine. Sometimes it's, it's under the umbrella of alternative, whatever, yeah. but it's all, I think Loza, you are onto something of this of like, it's more like the ethnic things. 
And the examples yeah. that I was coming across as I was reading around is like, oh, traditional Chinese medicine or traditional African medicine, Ayurveda. And mm, Ayurveda. <laughs> Ayurveda. And for those that don't know, Ayurveda is, um, is basically like a whole range of like health practices that originated from India. Like they're like 3000 years old. So it's a really long one, but it's again, typical examples given for traditional medicine. Yeah. Right. So you can already see. Yeah. Oh, you can already see that umbrella is directed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll say I did come across a definition that I wanted to run by you guys. Um, Just a quote rather. This came from the American Medical Association. And they said, there is no alternative medicine. There's only scientifically proven evidence-based medicine supported by solid data or unproven medicine for which scientific evidence is lacking. So in essence, they're saying, you know, let's not get too fast about what we call who and what. There's mm-hmm. medicine that we have, the scientific evidence, we've done our normal scientific things to prove it and have evidence for it. And then we have things, medicines or not, whatever you call them, where there's really no scientific proof mm. or little scientific proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys think that's a much more helpful, like, way to approach things? 100%. I mean, that was 100% my opinion um, (laughs) a little bit ago. Like, a little bit ago, I would say, yeah, there's proven medicine and unproven. And But when you you even look at this definition, I say, okay, to the scientific method. Scientific method generally designed by Europe, for Europe, right? (laughs) So... Even the validation process neglects a whole set of medicine that might work, but they say there's no scientific evidence, so let's ignore it. And that's kind of, that's what I agreed with. But as I kind of decolonized my mind and really started looking at things a little deeper, now I'm thinking maybe there are other better ways to validate um, medicines and more inclusive ways and not necessarily disregarding a whole chunk of medical practices because they don't fit a scientific method. Yeah. Well, very yeah. recent belief. Mm-hmm. Those are, uh, yeah, I remember us having this conversation like last yeah. year. And this makes me think, I think science, being scientific can mean so many different things. Obviously in the West, it doesn't, it means one thing. It means it's a, westernized proven method but i am really 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 like i vouch for this and i really say i i think that the scientific method can have so many so many different approaches that are that are inclusive Mm -hmm. for example let's look into real um sorry randomized control trials right Mm -hmm. our golden standard golden standard we've we've heard about them we've seen the oath we have and basically it's a standard or method that well you get you recruit patients into your trial or your study Mm -hmm. and you have um one group with a placebo which is like maybe like a non which does nothing to the body and then Mm -hmm. you have another group that actually has the treatment and then you Mm -hmm. randomly assign them and nobody knows who is who and you kind of make sure that the doctors and the patients nobody knows mm-hmm. which is blinding which is like this blinding system right that's mm-hmm. a randomized control trial mm-hmm. that has been used in a very standard way mm-hmm. but as years have passed people scientists have noticed that it's not effective it's very difficult for you to fully understand the effectiveness and 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 um the side effects and also the whole aspect of holistic medicine based mm-hmm. on having random versus control alone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's, this whole, there's this whole other theory known as the realist RCT, a realist, uh, a realist randomized control trial, mm-hmm. which means that you try to incorporate different factors into your study. So you incorporate things like beliefs, mm-hmm. you incorporate things like social factors, medical history. Um, so basically you ask the patients different different questions obviously it would be a different part a different person with no interest with no conflicts of interest that would do this but it's a much more um what do you call it a holistic approach yeah a holistic and inclusive approach to approaching it's i mean it's a step forward it is yeah is it really practiced a lot because 
it's like I, it's so good but i've never seen a paper like that and none of my professors have mentioned that so that's like that's that I, I learned to work studying my so new. i did yeah. i learned it so it's not it's not a con but this this the realist theory kind of criticized the traditional the the, the, the standard rct and said okay it's not enough you need mm-hmm. more obviously that's one technique and there's so many other things that are, right. people are starting to think sociologists that's are starting good. to think and they're starting to ask themselves like if we're doing these methods, we're going through so many phases. We're going through uh, phase one, phase two, phase three. Your drugs are not getting approved. Going through RCTs, back and forth. You're going through 10, 20 years, still no approval. Mm-hmm. Maybe the method is not always working. So you have to think outside the box, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to get into more detail about how I've seen some Africans do it, but I want to know what you guys think. <laughs> yeah, no, 100% there with you both. Um Yeah, and I like what you've brought up here in terms of I read around a lot and you see that some of the efforts going around to understand traditional medicine, usually from the Western perspective, (laughs) is like, yeah, yeah, let's let's look into acupuncture. Let's do a clinical trial on acupuncture. Like as Justin explained, we have our group that doesn't get acupuncture. We have our group that gets acupuncture. We compare, like, you know, the, the traditional way of approaching you know, like how to study the effect of something. Yeah. Um, but you're using it on something. You're using Western methods on something that is not very Western. Not Western. Yeah. And I always wonder if it's actually going to capture everything. And mm-hmm. I like what you brought up about the realist um, RCT because I do wonder, if, let's say if I was going to look into um, a herbal medicine, I would start to wonder as well, like, okay, Obviously, when someone in their culture uses this herbal medicine, this medicinal plant, they don't just use it on its own. Their traditional healer could be like, but also make sure you are meditating. Also make sure you do Mm. all these different things. So is it like all these different things acting together Uh to a better health outcome? Mm. Or is it just that medicinal plant? We don't Mm. know. Mm -hmm. Does it include all of those different factors? We Mm. don't know. So that's why I also wonder. Right. Yeah. I think that's ultimately with this quote. Yeah, I could agree with it, depending on what they say. I mean, depending on what they mean mm-hmm. with scientific evidence. Yeah. The, the reason why I agree with the quote is because it, it says there's no alternative medicine. That right. I agree with. There's no alternative medicine. And it says that it has to be scientifically proven. Now, me my understanding of that is completely different. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody else, a different scientist with a Western background may say, yeah, 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 our method. But I understood it as scientifically proving to mean different things in different countries. Science exists everywhere. Science exists in Africa and Asia, in, 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 in Australia, in Antarctica, everywhere. So whatever that means for your country, that's different. Yeah. And that brings me to my next point, right, which is about what it means in different countries. Mm-hmm. obviously one approach that has been that they've, they're trying out in terms of like okay how can we incorporate traditional medicine into our more tradition into our more conventional like you know modern medicine all these things is like okay let's let's actually regulate them in some way let's let's include them as part of like our our medication that we prescribe to people whatever and so that brings me to like herbal medicine. That's a huge part of traditional medicine, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Anyway, in the world, there's some maybe like plants or whatever that we use when we give people. So sometimes the definition, again, it's just a definition as a guide, but it's not one we have to go with. You can disagree with it. Is mm-hmm. you know, these are products made from botanicals or plants that are used to treat disease or maintain health. So usually they will be sold as like tablets, capsules, powders, teas. Um, you know, and they can be fresh or dried plants. But the thing is, in many places, if you want something to be sold as under this category of herbal medicine, it doesn't necessarily have to go through, like we're talking, these rigorous, you know, randomized controlled trials. They don't have to go through different regulatory things. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, again, that also varies in different countries. Mm-hmm. So I was reading about this study where they were comparing the UK, Germany, uh, United Arab Emirates and Kuwait. Um, and essentially in the UK, Germany, UAE and Kuwait, you know, herbal medicines, they still need to provide some kind of evidence of like safety and efficacy. So they could be asked to provide like toxicological reports. They could be asked to, you know, show that, okay, this is traditional because it's been used for 30 years or more. 
And those, you know, some of those years have to be, for example, in, in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. So that's how they can go about it. But in the USA, for example, they usually treat herbal medicines as like dietary supplements. Right. Something is under a dietary supplement. They basically don't even really need to submit anything for safety. Yeah. yeah. And that's the issue there. But then like, would you go, if you were in the US, would you go for a dietary supplement if no. you have an issue? Me personally? Speak honestly. Would you, they told you, okay, you could either go to the doctor or somebody comes and tells you, oh, I know this dietary supplement you can take. What would you? Going to the doctor. Unless it's one I already know of. Like, let's say they're like, oh, take eucalyptus. Or oh, something. yeah. Yeah. Green tea. Drink some peppermint. Some ginger. Ginger. You know, like, yeah, that's. That's okay. But yeah, some of some I'm not familiar with. I think. I don't know. Part of me thinks they don't go through this much regulation because they believe it doesn't do anything anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it doesn't require too much regulation, but it could still have, I don't know, a mechanism of action that we don't know about and it might mess me up. So I wouldn't experiment too much. To be completely yeah. honest, this makes uh-huh. me controversial. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in the US, I may not. But if I'm in Cameroon, I would. That I can see. That's I would. True. Because I don't know, there's a certain level of trust you have within your community. Mm-hmm. Like my mom tells me, let's see, I remember when I had oh, perfect example. I remember when I had a uh, varicella zoster. My whole body was itching, and you don't have to say it in that like that. <laughs> Define it for people, please. You have to say I had varicella zoster in my cells. Girl, me, I had to calculate. <laughs> varicella zoster entered my body. Maricela Zoster decided to invade oh, my yeah. OP. Anyways, chicken pox, guys. Um, <laughs> I remember being so like there was there was there's nothing you can take, right? I don't know. Like, no, I mean not, not really just suffer through it. Yeah. I was telling her about, oh, I want to go to the doctor. She was like, I said you're gonna wash yourself with these leaves or else right. you're not going anywhere. Right. So I was washing myself with those leaves and she bathed me in those leaves. I was very stubborn, but she did it anyways. And it left, it went straight away. Mm -hmm. So I kind of through that I've kind of learned that when your mom advises you something, it's not because she has done it, her grandma has done it, her aunt, her aunties have done it, her sisters have done it, and it's worked for them. Yeah, they've seen their times, their exceptions. One percent. I'm like one percent but like most of the time there's this there's this elements of community trust so if i was in cameroon and someone told me listen i took this i'm gonna look out for you mm-hmm. uh, i wouldn't be opposed to it i can see that from someone you trust i think for me it was a no for the u.s if i just saw it in a supermarket mm-hmm. to do something versus and i have a problem i'm gonna go to the doctor because i don't know i don't know who made this <laughs> i don't know who packaged this i don't know who's telling me anything Exactly. But when there is that community of trust and there's generational knowledge that's been passed down so many times and they've seen it worked, yeah, yeah. maybe worth a try. Yeah. What's interesting there is was like, you know, the WHO actually, you know, they estimate that in some Asian and African countries, up to 80% of the population relies on traditional medicine for their primary oh. care. And I'm not surprised. Yeah. They- you know what I mean? And that's why, Justin, I think in terms of that community trust, I would also have a similar approach of like, I understand that it's a huge part of where I come from, the traditional mm-hmm. medicine. So there's part of me that's like, you know, it's not like complete nonsense, you no. know, not complete nonsense. And I do have a certain level of trust in terms of like, I know that in our culture, oral history is a very important Thing, you know so yes yeah. i've been like facing an issue i'm just walking around i see you know those ladies that just sit by the corner and they're just selling tomatoes or something i don't know yeah. <laughs> then they're like oh okay you're facing that they're like oh yeah you could try this take some hot water put this and that in it and then you know just rub it on your on your on your leg there and that and it should help you and i'm like oh, okay look i might actually try that why not, yeah, why not? there's so there's so so many i mean we i mean in Cameroon, i know we're blessed with medicines and just different herbal products right like even stretch marks you use cocoa butter to remove the stretch marks mm. from even like with covid and stuff i remember 
when I had COVID, my mom told me, get aloe vera. Aloe vera, get the aloe vera juice and put some honey, put some um, lemon. And I took it and in a sec, in let's say two minutes, I was fine. So just those, that's something that when I went to the hospital, I didn't get anything aside from self-isolate. So there's so many, I could name so many examples of when traditional or herbal medicine has helped me. So yeah, for that, I can't, you can't refute it. You really can't. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I would just, you know, I'd like to remind us all that like, even a lot of the medication that we take nowadays, that's more like sold, you know, over the counter, these drugs that are manufactured by pharmaceutical companies, they also started as like herbal medicines. Example that most people are probably familiar with is aspirin. You know, it was usually the story you hear is like, you know, ancient Egyptians, they used to use it for thousands of years. Yeah. Just take it from willow bark and then they, you know, drink it in a tea or something. And the thing with aspirin is like the active ingredient that we know now um, that actually helps with like reducing inflammation and pain is salicylic acid, right? Mm -hmm. But over time, you know, in the 18th century, whatever, modernizing, manufacturing, they made a synthetic version of it and you know that's why it's like no longer not like you know derived from the plant directly yeah not just like you know in a pill form yeah just to say that you know some of these things also started in the category of like herbal medicines but have also over time evolved into just now the more formal version yeah i think the one benefit i can say of it at least is controlling dosage Mm. i think that's one edge that, and I, um, that's what I would like for a lot of like the traditional medicines, at least to um, have a process of no, like at, at least to make them more legit is to just have, you know, dosing controlled and like understanding how much it works for different people. I think that's the one edge that pharmaceutical practices have. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree as well. Yeah, I yeah, know. Uh, And yeah, this is where, like, I like bringing in the historical components and, like, the colonization that Jocelyn pointed out earlier. I'd like to get into that, please, yeah. Yeah, Loza, as we were, like, talking earlier on, it's, like, obviously a lot of, like, modern medicine comes from the West, and the West has been able to, like, like I said, go from herbal medicine-y type of things, and over time they have, like, evolved and, like, you know, formalized things in their own way. But has everyone had the opportunity to do that? Right, exactly. And I think one thing people need to realize is when Europe basically colonized the world, they also colonized information. They controlled information and like systems of knowledge that people had. So then even if there's generations of information, they've kind of convinced themselves that their method and their thinking is superior to everybody else's. Mm -hmm. So now we must all adapt. Yeah, that's, that's kind of why I think we have to be careful Mm-hmm. about what we say or when we say that um that traditional medicine needs to be regulated we need to kind right. of make sure that it doesn't dive or go into the path the same path that the western countries did right, right. we could really find that for ourselves as mm-hmm. i'm thinking as an african woman um obviously that means different things for like chinese medicine right. and stuff like that Right. So I'm thinking as at the end that you mentioned earlier, over history, beautiful. I had this mm-hmm. idea, like literally, as told us last last summer, where mm-hmm. as Africans, we love oral history, we love listening to stories, right? So if all these traditional healers could come together, form an association of traditional healing, yeah. Right. <laughs> form a, a, a and record their knowledge. Record the knowledge. Pass on to you. you can have different recordings. You could count yeah. how many recordings you have, count how many patients come. In. Listen, if you're a traditional healer, I'm giving you ideas right here. Credit. <laughs> oh, you're calling on them. You said hello. Hello. <laughs> Listening. Or if you think about it, think about it. Get people to listen. People yeah. will listen. A lot of rural people in rural areas, they have, if you don't have TV, they don't have phones, they will have a radio. They mm-hmm. have something to listen to. Yeah. That's why we have this podcast as well. But anyways, <laughs> they will have a radio show. They love radio shows. So think about finding ways to reach out to those yeah. people and finding a way to um, standardize and structure what you're doing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Because I think now I feel like we have to catch up on years of information that's been lost or suppressed. Yeah. 
it's not just like oh five years or something it's like yes hundreds of years hundreds of years um but Justin I'll just take this opportunity I think you mentioned like you know ways we can go about to actually like incorporate like traditional healers uh you know and, and the way they approach medicine and all these things and just to point out this study that I came across where they actually were trying to just like examine attitudes from traditional healers in South Africa um, around how they would feel about like, let's say sharing patient information or like, you know, having some sort of record of, you know, the, the, the medicine that they practice with their different patients. Um, so when they looked at, or when they asked 178 um of, of of the participants in the questionnaire about like 72.5 percent of them said that they are willing to introduce some kind of documentation into their practice like we're talking about you know a lot of the times our practices involve like oral history and all these different things and you know that can be lost we have our history where some of our own knowledge systems were also destroyed so is it do you guys think it's a good approach to actually try document patient information in some way so it's shared between the traditional healers and maybe the more formal like healthcare professionals <laughs> Jocelyn does not look impressed <laughs> sorry I can't yeah, hide. I, I really don't know how to hide my facial expressions I was looking at her I said at least pretend to smile you know what I mean she didn't even pretend like oh, <laughs> um thank you for trying uh, how do I say this in a nice An way? attempt was made. Yeah. We acknowledged, well, yeah, we're putting effort. We are putting effort. Mm-hmm. But it still gives me like, okay, let me just watch a show. Let me watch you guys. Let me watch how, see you guys do it. And yeah, see if it turns out well. Okay. I, I get it. If, if you want to find a way to communicate with the healers and, and be, stay in connection with them, that's fine. How about maybe you could train them on some of the scientific methods and vice versa. It has to be an interchange. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't like this whole, oh, we give, we give, we give. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to tell them our way because it's right. No, 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 no. How about you have an inter- an exchange? They tell you what yeah. they do and how they work and you yeah. tell them about your methods and then they can see, see what you guys like. See if you like each other or if you like it. But yeah. not before... Mm, let me sit down and watch it's been, so, yeah it's it's so like hell <laughs> it's giving national geographic i don't know like why are they, <laughs> why are they sitting there just observing attitudes i don't know i just yeah it doesn't sit well with me kind of a european institution coming in just watch so that if it goes wrong it'll be like oh these africans just tried to do some traditional healing and it went absolutely wrong so that's why they like to tend tend to report the bad oh, yeah. the things that go wrong so I think even if that happens, there needs to be equal representation. Yeah, or at least if there's observation, I would like it to be ourselves observing ourselves. Yes. Right, that's what I mean. And like to clarify, this study wasn't about just observing what traditional healers do. It was literally just to ask traditional healers if they would be willing to have some sort of system of like just recording what in whatever way recording what do. patient information. Patient, wait, I think we hear that part correctly. Patient, patient information. Patient information. Yeah, like history like, and stuff. Like to say, oh, okay, this patient came to me. They were complaining about ABCD. I suggested that they take this herbal medicine. I suggested that they do XYZ. They sleep more. And then I sent them off. Like if that's what the traditional healer did, mm-hmm. that's such a bad thing to like try record it somehow. It's not the worst thing. I think it just is about intentions and yeah, yeah, I agree. Doing it. I understand it may and it may have good intentions there, but it could turn into something completely different, especially with the consent, especially mm. with the language. Mm. I mean, yeah. there's so many different languages now. Languages, the method of recording, is it gonna be the same as it's done here? Can they, you know, is that gonna be their chosen method? I think I like what you said of Justin, like normally in a lot of countries it's oral traditions so continuing with that because that was the system that existed instead of introducing a new european way of recording patient history for example yeah and also that okay it's an okay start another thing that comes to my mind this thing about medical information and how it's being dispersed 
Mm-hmm. Right? If you're collecting patient information, it's very important that the people that are using that information need that information and that the, what they're using the information for is being used for that particular reason. If you're just distributing information about patients, just because, oh, somebody said, oh, I want to see how the traditional medicine works, it doesn't, it, there's some ethical concerns there. Mm-hmm. There's some major ethical concerns because if I don't think that patient is information should should be distributed anyhow, mm-hmm. and, and this again is also I guess scientific method, so we have to think about this very very carefully. Yeah, but do you guys think that I think Justin you pointed this out? There could be some value in getting these two groups to talk in terms mm-hmm. of traditional healers and our more like modern or well, not modern but like our normal. Mm-hmm. Conventional, yeah. okay. Conventional, yeah. you know, like uh, medical professionals. Like we have electronic health records. Traditional healers, maybe they use oral tradition, whatever they use to record information. Yeah. Like, is there some value, like you said, in having those two groups talk? Absolutely, absolutely. I think the the tradition, the conventional tri- uh, scientific method, has gotten us so far. Mm. Like, how criticize it? as much well there's so much as in, we're scientists at the end of the day like. there's so much that has been achieved yeah conventional medicine so it's almost like it would be there's so many more advancements that could also be done and if you look if they take the time to look into rare medicine rare mm-hmm. medicine maybe you may find a cure to so many things that you never even could think about yeah. 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 Absolutely. Like that's where my thing is. I think, like conventional medicine, it's um, it's the golden standard right now. It has gotten us so far. It is undeniable that you know life expectancies are getting longer. Uh, people are healthier, but um, it doesn't have everything we need right now. I mean, there's still a lot of gaps, and I think there's a lot to gain from traditional or alternative medicine i think there's a lot of information there that could actually help and i think an exchange between the two can benefit like everyone involved even you know as you said there's 80 the 80 percent of people that rely only on traditional medicine they can have a lot to benefit from the introduction of you know conventional medicine and vice versa like a lot of people that are using conventional medicine we could have a lot of things to benefit from like the knowledge that is carried within traditional medicine yeah and that just made me think again in, in Cameroon particularly, I know that a lot of traditional, this is something I didn't know before, but I recently found out mm-hmm. that a lot of these traditional healers have degrees. Many, quite a few actually, have degrees, but they ended up unemployed. Oh. <laughs> ended up unemployed. Not exactly. <clears throat> really unemployed. So, for example, there's this, um, there's this uh, uh, antiviral called Hepat, I think it's called Hepat, Hepazor, Hepazor, and it treats viral hepatitis. Mm-hmm. And it's from this plant based called, uh, I think it's called Enantia, I don't know the full name, but Enantia something, something. And uh, the way it's been up, it has been approved. It was a traditional medicine that ended up being um, approved by the Cameroonian Ministry of Public Health. And mm-hmm. it had, you know, it worked effectively, right? But one thing that I can say is that a lot of the traditional healers that are in Cameroon either did a degree in biomedical sciences, medical sciences, mm. ended up unemployed for five years and started, okay, let me start my own practice or went back to their original towns. So not all of them are uneducated. A lot of them are educated people that do appreciate their culture appreciate their traditions and are very traditional so they have to find a way to incorporate those two together mm-hmm. there's so much potential there there's so much knowledge that is not being used mm-hmm. within the community yeah yeah I, I i i find it interesting that you emphasize that they're like educated because i think it's definitely it's interesting that there are traditional healers that will have this like conventional western education that is probably very recognized by the west and they can be like yeah biomedicine yeah we know these things yeah and yet they're also able to balance that out with the traditional knowledge i think that's quite interesting yeah, yeah that's that's i think that's a strength that's that's actually it is. that's an example of like kind of what we want mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So we've talked, we've talked a lot about like different ways we can actually, you know, um, start to formalize traditional medicine, different approaches that we see problematic or not. Um, but I was just wondering if we can maybe dive into a little bit about what's our potential, you know, what are they traditional, you know, health practices that could be negative because we can think of traditional medicine, maybe in three ways we have those, maybe practices that we have where it's like, you know, um, it's based on some beliefs, but it's not formalized. There's no scientific evidence, but no one can say that it improves health or it, you know, makes it better. There's no evidence for that. So let's say like chicken noodle soup or something. We all have, you know, we drink, you know, not drink, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you have a common cold or whatever, you totally, oh, yeah, I just have chicken noodle soup. You know what I mean? So you have your chicken noodle soup, you probably start to feel better, but it's like, can we really say it's chicken noodle soup that helps with your common cold? Yes, you know, you put in vegetables in your chicken noodle soup, they have vitamin C and they can help your immunity. So yes, it's just based on the belief, but it actually, we actually see that it improves your health. Mm -hmm. But do we have some maybe practices where it's based on beliefs, it's based on some cultural practices and it can actually have negative health consequences? I have so much to say about this. So I don't know if you want to go first. But. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, simply said yes. And I think that was initially why I was very against um, alternative medicine. I, and I was with that definition of there's medicine that works and medicine that doesn't work. And most of the time, the ones that don't work is traditional because growing up in Ethiopia, I mean, we have med- traditional medicines that we know we work, but my parents knew a lot of par- a lot of people in their community that were harmed because they only sought traditional medicine and not conventional medicine. Mm -hmm. And in the end, either they died from their disease that progressed. A lot of the times it was like things like HIV and stuff, or they died from the treatment itself. So, and I think that's why it's important to kind of combine the two and maybe not rely on one. So there can be instances where it's harmful. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think I have kind of two different thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Number one, tradition is beautiful. Traditional medicine is beautiful, right? But a lot of traditions come from stereotypes, come from oppression. We have to admit it, we have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Traditional practices, traditional medicine practices and health practices do stem from stereotypes that have been used to oppress, I don't know, the vulnerables like pregnant women, young women, adolescent girls, children, even children. So, um, yes, it can be harmful. It's particularly if, it, I think when it's used, I think initially it's very important that we ask ourselves why it is being used, why it is being incorporated. Yeah. So, um, yeah, then my second thought was around, yes, incorporating the two. Like, you can't, Traditional medicine can only get you so far. Mm-hmm. You can't cure cancer by just going to your healer and just saying, oh, yeah, you yeah. happen to get better, but you don't know if it's the medicine that did it for you. So yeah. That's why it's very, very important for us to standardize these methods and incorporate, kind of bring the two methods together. It doesn't have to be one separating the other or a competition or, or I don't know. It doesn't have to yeah. be that. Yeah. So you can't just say, oh, I'm going to go to my healer. I I, I see, I'm saying it because I've seen it Mm -hmm. happen to people that they refuse to go to the hospital and just decided to rely on traditional medicine and they had very, very bad health outcomes, including death. death. So I think we have to be careful about how we pass this message. I'm not absolutely, yeah, only rely on traditional medicine. Yeah. No, please still seek a healthcare professional a medical professional mm-hmm. yes and for me the example that i can draw upon um you know without naming names for example in zimbabwe there is a religion shall we say <laughs> um, that a religious group and they are very much against people who are within that group going to seek like medical attention like you know going to a hospital and all these different things and it is known that for example when a woman is pregnant they don't go give birth in a hospital in like a sanitized you know our normal hospital settings they give birth 
in their community there amongst the religious group they are attended by someone we don't know if that person has training or we don't know if they just have this more traditional birth attendant kind of you know training that they have within that community but then it's again this idea that even in that group it's frowned upon like they believe around health and maybe health systems and hospitals is now leading women to just giving birth in settings that we have no idea what it is like and we know that that can now result in infections we we don't know like what's 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 the environment the baby is being born into that can result in complications so if complications happen can the birth attendant actually do with those complications fast enough and like Justin said sometimes there are cases of where people actually die yeah so this is where we also need to consider practices, you know, mm-hmm. like what's behind these practices, because they can be around health, but some of them are just based on like beliefs, whether it's just religious or just based on oral tradition. We don't Peer know. pressure from the ancestors. Yeah, pressure from the ancestors. That's okay. Yeah. And also, I'm sorry, actually, no, I'm not sorry. I mentioned earlier witchcraft, mm-hmm. magic. It's a harmful consequence. I'm sorry, people are dying out there. Yeah. People yeah. Are being spiritually and mentally extorted and abused. Yeah. Through traditional medicine. Yeah, I mean, we have to even acknowledge that, like, some, again, traditional medicine is such a big umbrella, but like, some of them is, you know, they believe children, you know, body parts of children have medicinal properties um you know um body parts of virgins have medicinal properties so people are getting killed people are getting trafficked so we can't ignore it and we have to at the end of the day when it comes to medicine and medical practices is do no harm so when we talk about incorporating traditional medicine you have to consider is is this doing harm and so then Uh, you're gonna that's the most important thing Mm -hmm. do no harm we're not saying that we're not because I want to be careful about how I send this message. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Some people, some people or people that are more traditional may listen to this and think, oh, maybe we're criticizing or we're being ignorant about some of these practices. Mm-hmm. No, we're simply saying that you have to make sure that the reason behind what you're doing and yes. what you're actually doing is not harmful. Exactly. Not mentally, not physically, not spiritually, not emotionally. That's very, very important. I don't care if your ancestors did it, whoever did it, at some That's point, business. traditions, it's a, yes, it's, it may be a tradition. It's a tradition, but traditions, it's okay for it to change. Because right. Traditions have not always been helpful. It's traditions hard. can evolve. They've always been evolving. It's okay to change. There's them. some things that used to be that used to be completely problematic and impossible. At some point, slavery was a tradition. Right. Point, slavery was absolutely normal. But yeah. today, we're in a different. Obviously, there's still some issues, colonial remnants of these issues. But once upon a time, it was a completely normal thing. So you really have to open your mind and think. These traditions, we have to reevaluate them. We have to reassess them. Yeah, there's one. There's a particular, you know, practice. I'm sure we're all thinking about it. I didn't want to bring it up, but you know what? Let's. We're just here. <laughs> so, because um, you know, you mentioned the whole idea of do no harm, and mm-hmm. I was coming across um, female female genital mutilation. Mm-hmm. Right. We know that is a common practice. It, it is just a cultural practice in many different countries. Yeah. Right? And what I was hearing is that over time, they obviously what's associated with female genital mutilation is that they can be health complications. We're not saying it's done for health reasons necessarily, but they can be complications when, you know, in terms of like, you know, women or girls who undergo FGM can bleed out a lot. They can have hemorrhaging. They can be at risk of uh, infections and sometimes specifically HIV. So there are serious health consequences to genital mutilation. And one approach they've tried to do this is to say, okay, instead of us having FGM being performed by people who may not be trained, let's have healthcare professionals perform FGM. Yeah. And so this links back to the thing of like, it's now being performed by healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. But we don't necessarily. Is it modern medicine? Is it modern medicine? Number one. Number two, 
is it beneficial for your patient? Because you're meant to do no harm. Yeah. But when you perform it, okay, uh, why are we being nice? It's not. No, 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 ultimately it's not. It's not. And yeah. it's not. Let me just say this. Okay, maybe that woman might not be um and she's not gonna maybe not bleed out because it's the doctor that did that did it, or she might not get HIV. But there's complications that come after that. Giving birth is way more dangerous for women that went through FGM, as if giving birth wasn't dangerous enough. Um there's mental issues. I mean, like usually these are children that go under it. They don't really consent. So there's mental health issues that they go through in the future. So no, it's not. It's not beneficial. Or it's not acceptable. Because, that, yeah. that, that makes me go back. Using this FGM example, mm-hmm. people have used some very, very, very silly justifications. Aside from, oh, you know, she must get married. Oh, she must not have sex. Aside from those ones, which are absolutely... Mm-hmm absurd um so people have said oh yeah males get circumcised or women mm. get circumcised too it's an equality <laughs> just this one time yeah this is this is this is why research is important yeah this is very it's very it's a very basic but very very important idea right research is very important even for our traditional practices you may not have internet or you may not have always have the facilities that you need, but find out from other professionals, find out from other people in your area, even beyond that, try to reach out to people. It is your duty. You can't use the excuse that, oh, it's our practice, it's our whatever. No, I'm speaking directly to these people. These oh, yeah, if you're listening, are, listen. <laughs> And listening, you know who you are. It is your duty. So please do your research properly because you could potentially ruin and harm a woman's life forever. You know, like people die from this practice. It's not a small little joke. Yeah, it's yeah, it's no longer just a simple, yeah, it's just for our culture. It's our culture. A woman it's our culture killing someone. Your culture is killing someone. Did the woman even consent to do this? Like, what is this idea based on? Like, Justin, you said sometimes the reasoning for FDM is like for the benefit of the man. This whole idea of like making the woman a bit more pure to quote to maintain her moral dignity or something like this. Yeah. Like, when did we decide that's what moral dignity was about? You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah guys. Forever. <laughs> But um, in any case, um, let's. I think we know where we stand with that one. But we, know where we stand with that one. <laughs> um, and we're just saying, you know, just to note. Yeah. So I think it's time for us to just wrap this up. I just wanted to end by, you know, asking you guys like, what is your key takeaway from this whole discussion in terms of like way forward? Like, what what do you think is we should be considering when we want to formalize traditional medicine. We've touched on all kinds of things from like regulations, from the history of it all and having to consider that. We've touched on how best we can maybe try to, you know, get these two sides talking together, the traditional medicine and mm-hmm. then the conventional medicine. So what are your key takeaways? For me, I'm going to make it very simple. We, we've addressed them quite 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 a lot for the episode three key things the why the how the where Mm -hmm. the why before we even consider standardizing a traditional practice let's assess the problem why we're doing it that's a very very important first step now this may be a scientific method you may call it that but i'm gonna include it here the why because some of these methods sometimes can stem from stereotypes and historic per, uh, historic oppression. Mm-hmm. So the why. And the second, the how. So if you're going to do something, have a traditional practice, yes, integrated with conventional medicine, that's great. But also documenting it, documenting how it's being done. You could share it with your other traditional healers. You could share it with, you know, different, different people, your patients, so that they can also go ahead and you know review it for themselves. But it's important to document it. How you want to document it, that's up to you. Obviously, we're not going to tell you how to do that. We're not experts, but these are just ideas, right? Just mm-hmm. speculating. And then the where. Now, that again, cleanliness, disinfection, all these different things are very, very important when it comes to medicine because you may recommend a plant, but then you don't know how to, you don't clean it properly, then you get an infection. 
So the where is very important. Having a clean practice, a clean traditional practice, a clean place, even where your patients can come into. And also when they go home and they practice what you've told them, they're able to do it in a very, very uh, uh, a safe, safe way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have more to add, but I'll let you go. <laughs> yeah, Loza, what, what, what's your key takeaway? Okay, my, my takeaway, I mean, there's a lot, but... I, I like, okay, so you addressed more towards the traditional practitioners. I want to talk to the Europeans, Ooh. all the other people. <laughs> um, no, I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to keep it simple. But I just, I just want to say, like, I want everyone to get into their heads that European systems of knowledge are not the, the golden standard. They're not always the superior ones, as we have often been taught, because whenever, I mean, even recently when I started my global health semester two course, we're learning about, you know, types of medicines. And they said, Western medicine in brackets, modern medicine, what makes that modern and the rest of us primitive? So I just want everyone to understand <laughs> that our knowledge systems are also not primitive. They're valid. And they should be given yes. the same consideration, the same respect. Mm-hmm. Um, there, like some things that are, you know, considered modern medicine now. We've been practicing centuries and millennia ago. You said aspirin. Mm-hmm. Um, Nubia been using. They've been using tetracycline, which I'm taking right now for my acne, but it's been used centuries ago. So, like, I think it's just important to understand. Y'all not the golden standards. Y'all not the only owners of knowledge. Huh? There are valid systems. Huh? elsewhere that can benefit you as well yeah yeah and that's yeah that's all i have to say about them yeah if i was just you guys have made excellent points there and i think you summarized it very well to me my key takeaway is again like we're saying there's value to modern medicine and we appreciate how far we've come with it but we also still need to recognize that there's value in the traditional medicine no matter what your views of it may be where is there evidence is there not enough evidence but there's clearly value and i think i agree with loza here that the history of it all and colonization have like really made it that you know the western stuff is what mm-hmm. valued the most and then mm, well this is non-ethnic yeah you know, i don't know what they're doing over there like less value <laughs> i i think like i agree with you loza there should be balance there yeah number two is the approach yeah think it's about the approach again it's like yes we see that we may want to like marry these two signs but we need to do it in a way that's actually you know is not again reinforcing colonial thinking we don't just say hey you traditional healers you need to do a b c d yeah come catch up with us come catch up with us you know what i again have that equal balance just balance yeah Mm -hmm. And, and um, there's one more thing that came to my mind. I want to also speak to the people that value traditional healing and that value um, herbal medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of them really, 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 really love the traditional medicine. Like they yeah. really, in fact, they will go against the whole healthcare system. Oh, Lord. So yeah. I completely understand that you have had good experiences with it, but please, Please, I've said I can. I've said it before. It may sound repetitive, but do your research. Go seek seek actual medical professionals that will help you, but also understand that there are limitations to the help that you're receiving, yeah. and that you're potentially harming yourself and the health of other people. Absolutely, so my fellow. I don't know with acupuncture, lovely globies. Uh, traditional people, whether you're traditional, westernized, model, whatever you call yourself. Yeah. We love you. We appreciate you, but we need to find a way to incorporate and become global. Yeah. You know, use all your resources, like all resources available to you. Don't limit yourself to one school of thought. 100%. And that goes on both sides. Yeah. Like if you're used to the Western approach, like there's nothing wrong with trying to explore the more herbal and the non-conventional. But again, like Jocelyn said, use reliable sources. Yeah. You're coming from the side of majority of the time you're relying on traditional medicine or even just like home remedies. Mm-hmm. You can still also find reliable sources. You can talk to a professional so to see their perspective as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, I guess. We, we, we finished up. I think there's so much more we can say about traditional health. So there'll, there'll, there'll probably be a part two. We haven't even... There, t- you know, I think there needs to be part twos for so many episodes. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even touched on Big Pharma and their whole role in this. 
Anyway, B, I've been Edna. You've been Edna? I've been Loza. <laughs> and I'm Justin. I have not been. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I have not been. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the World Health Investigation Podcast. Follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. That's expression. If you want to see our facial expressions and how we're mocking some of these <laughs> ideas, yeah, go subscribe right now. Media, I want to see you do it actually. Or here, I want to hear the click. Subscribe right now, or I'm dying. Ah, you know she's sick too, so she might die. <laughs> but I came. I am not feeling very well today, but I came here for my fellow oh, yeah. So you better subscribe. Better subscribe, please. Wait, this is getting a bit deep. Hey, okay, I think they subscribed. I think, I think they have by now. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. Catch you in the next one. <laughs>